An extract from the letters of Jeddah Asun. Vasan, laugh. My hope for you both is that you'll never have to go through this. That we'll find a home that you'll never have to leave unless you choose to. When I was younger, I dreamt of maybe one day leaving Ninat. After your grandparents passed, me and your Uncle Shu, we spoke about it many times. If Strail hadn't come, we might have left on our own when you were both old enough. But that decision was taken from us. Our flight hasn't really replaced that desire. There's still that same part of me that wants to pack up all of our things and leave everything we'd known behind, that longs for that easy way out, for a life without all of these inherited burdens. But in leaving the nuts, we are, all of us, tied closer together. We are bound to the role that others expect us to play. I've spoken before about how much loss we have faced, both in leaving our community behind, also on our journey. But I've never really spoken about the wounds those losses cause. How much each of them hurts. How it never gets easier, and how you're never sure, with each of them, whether this will be the one that fails to heal. I know it's a foolish dream but I do not want this life for either of you. I wish I could forever shield you both from the pain that grief causes. Today I watched Briss hand Callan the sword of his aunt Ri, who he lost in the caves. She had been forced from her home twice, first Bryzel, then Ninut. Both times the remnants she'd put her faith in had failed her. When her generation first arrived in the Sharrow, they had hoped to build a better life for us, their children, and the children that came after that. As I watched that sword being handed down, I wondered what she would have felt. Would she have felt like she had failed? My promise to you both is that I will leave you a better inheritance. I will leave you a place to call home, that when you are both grown, you will have homes in which to raise a family. Fields to grow the food that you need, and values that you can use to rebuild our community. And I hope that the hardest decision you'll ever have to make is what to call our new home. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a story games podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Ryan Evans. Hello, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Thryn Henderson. Hello, I'm Thryn Henderson, and you can find me at Theron. Steve Martin. Hello, this is the voice of Steve. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at Games. And I am your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at AdTDixon. And you can follow the show on Twitter at FlimsyRituals. Okay, so it's been a little while since we last recorded. I think it'd be good to have like a quick recap of where everyone is and like what's going on in the world. So we had the caravan fleeing from the caves um, of Khan Veskel into the valleys around the Sharrow. And then we had an episode in which we explored which way we wanted to go. And we decided to go to the east, um, into Senya, to uh, a town called Eulogy. And kind of on the way to that town, last episode, we kind of reached the entrance into Senya. Um, we've kind of been letting the characters have like some space to explore the things that they want to explore. So I think last episode we saw a few different things. Um, we had a few different things with like Charla and Briss and Corin. We got to see that relationship playing out a little bit more and like some of the frustrations like each of them have actually. So Charla being angry with Briss for like kind of failing to be there for Corin and like I guess Briss kind of, like, being a bit frustrated of themselves, maybe? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. I think just, I think she's just very confused about how to deal with the whole Corrin situation, and just working, working through that, really. Yeah, and then, um, so we had a scene... Remember what your scene was, Vance? Yeah, um, so obviously I saw that Cast was there, and Obviously, you have to put him cast body to rest in the wilds. 
Vince was very <laughs> surprised. Yes, um, yeah, that was it. Uh, and obviously, yeah, we had a quick chat, caught up all his old memories about when he was alive before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, he had the scene between Belka and Vilta for the first time on screen, which is like a nice moment of catching up. And yeah, I think Belka was a little bit annoyed at Vilta in some ways, as well as like liking seeing their old friend back. back. Um, and then we ended, like, we kind of wrapped up that episode with everyone entering Senya, and we kind of had, like, a scene on the clifftops, and I think that's kind of where we're picking up now. Um, but I think the place we probably should start, I think, Vens, you're still a little bit injured. Do you wanna, do you wanna get that dealt with? <laughs> I am gravely ill. Please help me. <laughs> um, I think I'd love to go and see my main pal, Belka. I think we went so through so much with the Sharrow and obviously I, I risked a lot and really uh, I give myself some critical trauma <laughs> through tearing my soul boy. apart. Are you like one-off mortal? Yes. yes so like, if you took, whoa. Oh my. So like, yeah, one away from like death potentially? Uh, yeah, and also I've still got moderate wounds as well. So <laughs> I've been... Wandering around camp, maybe like limping around, <laughs> just somebody help me. Are you looking to Belka to help with this? Are you looking for my soothing way? I think Belka is one of the few people that's travelling with us that really knows much about me and what I'm capable of. Yeah, like we we did establish that they know that you're unravelling, right? Yeah, and... I think that they are the best person that can probably help me right now. Okay. So what does this look like? Where, where do you meet each other? Like, are you... Is this, like, on the road? Is someone in a tent to you? I think it's definitely Vens being a little coy and just trying to pull Belka to one side. How how do you get on with climbing the cliff? Uh, I mean, for an elderly man, I'm extremely sprightly. <laughs> I'm like a... <laughs> Probably not, but... I mean, after forcing myself to get along that tiny rope bridge into the cave, I think that even with Venz's wounds, he may have taken his time to get down the cliff, but <sighs> he's there now. <laughs> so you're pulling Belka to one side? Yeah, I think just while we're traveling, just to, you know, try and get the message across of help me. Like, has Belka noticed this, or...? Yeah, I mean, I think Vence doesn't spend a lot of time around people, right? He's probably lost a bit of the sort of nuance of performance. Yeah. Fairly obvious, I guess, so... I think Belka is going to do a very exaggerated slowdown. Like, they've just forgotten how to walk... And do you go off to one side, or...? No, I guess we're just waiting for everyone to pass us. <laughs> I'm just so old, i got to slow down. I'm just so old. <laughs> and, Vens, what do you say? Do you ask for help? I think... Vens is one of those people, I think, is... Because he's very independent, and always has been. He's very proud, and will really struggle to ask for help. Even though he knows that it's in his best interest. I think they're probably like walking in like a friendly like silence for a while, I would imagine. Just like Yeah. Venza's super exaggerated dithering and Belka's really purposefully slow paced walk, dragging their heels a bit. But I guess after Belka's not super patient. So it it wouldn't take long, I think, before there would kind of be a, a moment of Giving him a bit of a side eye and then giving him a very obvious once over and then being like, You look terrible. Uh, I feel terrible. These past few days have really gotten to me, Belka, and I think I, I, I really need some help. Don't we all? But I think Belka would at least kind of give him an elbow to like lean on as they walk and kind of a physical gesture of like I can probably help you if you need it I think Vens 
reaches out, obviously, and, you know, takes Belka's arm. Is, is there anything you can do? Is there one in your group that can help me? It's, it's not, it's not the physical wounds I'm worried about. It's the ones. No, you were already so old. Hold on, that's absolutely savage, please. <laughs> How could you do this to us? <laughs> I think Ben's just sort of gulps back whatever he's going to say in response to that. And just... I'm keeping that. I stand by it. Hmm. I'm just worried about my my soul. Your age, better to worry about the bones. Not if I'm to continue being a use to the group. My bones will heal in time. My my soul needs something more. A soul is not a thing you can just fix. You've got the move that can. I mean, yeah, yeah I can, but he has to tell me a trauma. I can't yes, just uh, fucking fix him. <laughs> I, the, the thing that I was going to ask is, like, what does that move look like? Yeah. It's kind of interesting, because I think for some people it could look like physically fixing. Mm. But for you, is it... Yeah, is like this you, like, continuing walking and having a conversation, or is this you, like, sit down? I think it it would be continuing walking, because I think it's easier to get people to talk about things when they're doing something else. What's the, the move? Uh, the move is Soothing Way, which is when you spend time with someone and listen to their trauma, roll on a 10+, plus, choose 3, on a 7 to 9, choose 2, clear out all of their spikes in one emotion, heal a point of trauma... I'll ask them a question from read a person they must answer truthfully. Oh, nice. So I guess uh, Venz has got to get talking. I think Venz would probably open up to Belka about how truly devastating it was to him to lose the Sharrow. And being an old man, that is unravelling. You know, it is a rare thing. It's Yeah. Which, in fairness, I want to say is why Belka is making a big deal out of beds being so old, not just because they're an asshole. <laughs> but yeah, so he's done a lot of things, and this is something that's never happened to him before. You know, it, it's like that old surgeon that's never lost a patient sort of thing, you know, like the, I've never done anything wrong, but this time everything was out of his control and he couldn't stop it. And, you know, that's really scary for Vince because he's always had the power to do something about it. And right now, not only has he lost a remnant, but he's lost his ability to do anything about it. Is that how you're saying? Is that like exactly what you're saying? Or Yeah, I think that would be the way he'd talk about it. You know, I think he knows that he can be honest with Belka about it. It's not like talking to one of the the group from Ninat, because, you know, some of them have really conflicted feelings about the remnants, whereas Belka can be quite impartial about it all, and just take everything as as it is. Yeah, I don't know that they would be able to offer Vens any advice, really, other than, yeah, that, that sucks real bad. Because <laughs> it's a pretty similar situation for Belka, in that they've been doing this one thing that they were good at, and could solve their problems with and now it's gone and they're just kind of drifting around the countryside with a bunch of strangers almost dying and I don't think they've solved that for themselves yet so I don't know that they would have any ability to solve it for Vens either but I think they're just going with it more than Vens is currently Yeah, I guess the, the solution that Belka has found and that much of the parish have found is Okay, well, you've fallen through the cracks. What's happening in here? <laughs> What's like in that. here instead? So I guess you're kind of an honorary member of the parish now, which I think would be the the last thing Velka says to Ben's, kind of slapping him on the back, like, welcome to the parish. Yeah. I kind of like that a bit more as well. It's kind of more truthful to, hey, I'm not just going to give you a load of advice. It's, yeah. I'm listening and you've, I've given you the space. Yeah. But I guess the thing to do is see how well it works. Um, do you want to make a roll? Yeah, I mean, in fairness as well, like I think because Vence has specifically asked for help, like that would be the conversation that they have. But obviously, even though they're not really acting as a heart currently, they still know the things that you do. And so I think they, they will take... They, in one of their pockets, they have this um, like little bag of beads, I guess. 
And they use them kind of the same way that the stones they were using in previous episodes to record, like, the colours of the morning are used, in that they're kind of tied in knots into a thing that represents um, a narrative. And I think they would thread one of those for Venn's and kind of give it to him. So, like, he can carry that past with him, but, like, it's it's recorded and we witnessed it and we, we like, we hear you. Um, and I think that's probably the, more the move element of yeah. the move. I don't know whether it's psychosomatic or an actual magical thing, but I would imagine, like, that's the action that makes Venn's actively feel better rather than passively. Yeah, yeah. Let's see how well I roll. Yeah, how are you feeling right now? I think actually sad. Okay. Because this is kind of their job and they don't get to do it anymore and they're not really doing it properly. So your sad is plus two? My sad is plus two. That's a ten, Vens. I get to choose three. You get to choose three. Nice. How many trauma points you got, boy? A lot. Uh... (laughs) Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Let's clear three trauma points, um, shall we? I guess the thing that is worth saying is that so moderate um, or light will clear away automatically. Okay, so if I clear two, will you be back to moderate? Yes. So okay. he'll be able to then just heal, like, over time? Okay, well, I'm going to clear two then, and then I would like a question from reader person. I'm going to go for what are their intentions. I think after they've had this conversation and sort of Belka's done the thing to kind of make him feel better. There's definitely kind of an implied air of, what do you do now? I think you have to answer truthfully, right? Man, I wouldn't lie. I think it's yes. part of the move. It doesn't have to be you directly saying this, it could just be, this is what Belka reads from you, but it's yeah. your choice. I think you get the sense that Venz is, has gained a new, like, resolve, and uh, Venz knows that if he's to be any help in catching up with the jackals and, you know, helping out this group of people to find somewhere to settle, then he needs to become what he was. Maybe even risking some attachments, which is new for Vence. So there's one final piece, which is, if someone heals you, they gain a bond with you. So, Belka, you gain a bond with Vence. I guess, like, the, f- the final thing is, like, as we close the scene, like, what does that look like? Are you hurrying to catch up with the group? Or do we just get a nice shot of, like, Belka and Venz just, like, walking sort of, like, aimlessly? I think aimlessly. Embrace this nonsense lifestyle that we found ourselves in. Yeah, I think maybe Venz walking a little bit taller. Weight off his shoulders sort of thing. Nice. Belka probably is going to quietly apologise for telling Venz about how old he is. So I think we cut from that shot of Belka and Venz walking together to like an establishing shot where we see the group of people kind of winding their way through these new landscapes of Senya, which, unlike the Sharrow, is heavily forested. There are like gravestones everywhere kind of entwined in both root and branch. And there are lots of different kinds of memorials beyond that. Like there might be some which are actually the polished bones of like a revered ancestor. Um, there might be ribbons tied to trees, there might be things carved into the trees. We spoke a little bit at the end of the last episode about the fact that some of these trees, some people pick up on this, like there seems to be like whispers coming from some of the younger trees around here. And we watched the caravan moving for a while, and I think we kind of, if if this was like a film shot, we'd, we'd see like the lighting change with every cut, day to night to day to night, and a few days passes. And... Who has an idea of what they'd like to do? Um, I'd like to. I'd like to have a chat with Shu and Callan, quite possibly, and maybe Vilter as well, as a, just a kind of generally establishing where we're going and just making sure that we're on the right track, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And if anyone else is, happens to be around, um, I don't know if Bel- Belka's uh, made up with Vilter yet. If they're if they're hanging around, but yeah, those those are the people I think Briss would be approaching right now. Is this like a scouting-based thing? It's just clarifying the situation of the caravan as a whole. I think that's quite important to Briss, keeping everybody safe and together. I'm just trying to think if there's anyone else who should be included in this. I'd, I'd actually quite like Corin to be there as well. I think Briss has been uh, 
take like keeping him a lot closer recently ever since all the shenanigans just to keep an eye on him as much as as much as anything and sort of teaching him by osmosis sure um i think the other two people that it kind of makes sense to be here are Ioff, which we've obviously seen before and uh nilcat who is another member of the parish so i don't think we've had nilcat on screen before but just to give a bit of a description so yeah, Nilka is uh, a tall man who has sort of like pink brown skin, like the colour of like a slow worm almost, um, with a bald head and a scruffy beard. He's kind of, I think, I guess like kind of middle-aged and he has like lots of scars covering his body. Um, in particular, I think his hands, um, you know that he used to be a mechanic working in Embrace. That's the kind of thing he involves himself in within the caravan is that he's always like fixing things or making things better. Like, when you had the carts, I think he was the person that kind of made sure that they kept going. He's also got, like, a little bit of a gut, just from age, but he's, like, still very muscly. And he's also got four arms. Um, and he has, like, quite an infectious smile and quite an warming way of speaking. And, Belka, were you going to be there? I mean, if Filter and Nilka are both there, probably. I don't know if Belka would be super involved, but probably there. Yeah. So, what does this look like? Briss? I think um, Briss, Cal, and Shu have met up some way ahead um, after all, all going off in different directions, possibly for a couple of days. And they've arrived back in the camp together. It's probably early morning. Everybody, Everybody's packing up and getting ready to, to move on. And they're going to uh, they're gonna walk up to the to where Vilta is probably already already packed and ready to go discussing with Nilcap. I think we're, I think we're clear for a couple of days at least. There's a few small streams. We can follow them for a ways. The trees aren't too dense ahead. We can pretty much keep keep going as the crow flies. No, no need to, to divert. We haven't seen any sign of rough ground. Anything, anything that's going to cause people problems. Is everyone ready to go yet? I guess like it also makes sense for Jeddah to be there then, since like Jeddah is probably the person overseeing the caravan more. Sure. But I think, like, between them, they kind of, like, look around and go, everyone's ready. I think there'll be some complaints, but we'll keep, we'll keep them moving. Who, who's, who's going to complain? We're on the march. Like, what's, what's people's deal? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I can, I can go and talk to them, if you like. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, who gives you the look? And it's definitely Nilcat. <laughs> like, Nilcat just, like, looks at you and go, like, mate, there are people struggling for their life out there. Like, you see that kid? And I think he like points down the field to where like Tyal and Polav are kind of still looking after Varask. He could be gone any day now. Of course, it's going to be a struggle. And I don't need you coming up to their faces and shouting at them. I I, I never said I was going to shout. I was just going to you know check that they're um, ready to go. It's the sun's been up for hours. This this should be routine by now. This should be normal. I imagine like there's like a bit of a frosty. You see, like Shu and Callan almost like a little edge away from you. And like maybe just like this is when like Nilcat just like walk like strides straight up to you and just like puts an arm around your shoulder and like leads you away slightly. <laughs> if if you'll let him. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like Nilcat, what I don't Listen, I get that you're frustrated. You just need to learn to be calm sometimes. I'm calm. I'm calm. This is this is me calm. I'm not yelling. Look, we've got so bloody far to go and we're going so slowly. We're hard, we're barely covering we're barely covering ten miles a day. This is there's nothing but trees and stones out here. There's there's no danger. We should just be moving from sun up to sundown, and we're dragging our heels. I I know it's frustrating. I know when you have purpose and when when you have, I guess, skill at what you're doing. It's it's hard to lead people that might not share that. It's it's easy to get frustrated at them, but it's not their fault. It's yours. You need to learn how best to motivate those around you. You need to learn to how best to accommodate the different skills, the different needs of the people around you. You can't push everyone. If you keep doing it, people will turn against you. Look, I'm not here to be everybody's friend. But if Corin can keep up with and you know, no offense to the lad, he's he's capable. But if he can keep up and she looks over the shoulders and prob- Corrin's probably sat there like rubbing his feet trying to sort of <laughs> hide the uh, 
hide the pain he's in from the forced march like overnight how how far is it to eulogy like i don't even know i don't know this land i don't know these stupid trees and these he keeps talking about ghosts and the trees talking and it's just driving me nuts that like how how are you looking right now how are you feeling frustrated uh mad i think which is not <laughs> briss's strong strong point i, I think no cats just probably like 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 sits on a like gravestone and then like points at a tree some sit sit down just just five minutes sit down Sometimes you just you need to let these frustrations go. You mean you mean like hit something, right? If that's what gets you going. <laughs> me sometimes it's the opposite. I just sit, look around me, breathe a bit. Have you even noticed that the birds are back? And like just kind of like points to one of them. Have you have you looked at them? I've I've followed them. How do you think I found that lake the other day? Have you listened to their songs? What they're they're wrong. They're the wrong birds. They're, the songs aren't right. They, this place is weird. Everything about it just feels wrong. You get that, right? Listen, ten years ago, if you'd asked me whether I'd ever be out here, so far away from home, I'd have laughed. And, and now I, I'm here, I've not been home for nearly a decade. And all because I wanted to make it a better place for people like me and, and our families and you're going to have to get used to never seeing home again. And you can't take that out on the people around you. People look up to you. I, I don't know whether you've realised that, but people around here look up to you. They see how competent you are. They see, they see that you're capable of leading. You just need to show it. I don't want to lead. I just want to be left alone. I want to, I want to help. I understand that I'm part of a community, I'm part of these people, but I would much rather just stay on the fringes, okay? I don't want to be Aya as a leader. I didn't know Aya. Saw her once or twice, I didn't know her. Well, she was a fucking idiot. <sighs> but she was a leader, and that's not me. Well, if you don't step up, they're going to be calling you a fucking idiot. And you may not want to lead, but if you don't, all these people, this community you know you're part of, be gone. And maybe you'll make it out, maybe you'll be fine, but you'll have to live with that. Have a nice day, Briss. And he, I think Nilcat just kind of stands up and walks off. Damn it, he beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> Briss is going to look over at, at Corin and turn it back and walk off into the, into the wilderness. Valkyrie's giving Nilcat four high fives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, should we cut to the next scene? Um, who would like to go next? Have you got ideas of what you want to be doing, Charla? Yes. I think I would like to have a scene with Charla and Strail, kind of checking in. It's been multiple days now. There was a quick chat. Well, there was a moment last episode where... Chala was able to feel the new remnant of this land watching her and Strail and or the feeling of coiled cats. So I, was, I think it'd be interesting to kind of follow that up. So how are you trying to communicate with Strail? I think it kind of happens over a a long period of time. I imagine it like when you're trying to reach a word that you just can't reach or a memory that's really kind of far back in your in your head and sometimes it'll spring forward and sometimes it won't so throughout like these few days chala is occasionally kind of like trying to ping strail and go hello i i think i get the sense at the moment just knowing where strail is like that it often doesn't happen. I, I think you get the odd image, but generally Strail is kind of keeping to themselves. I mean, you you could definitely try and, like, convince that otherwise, like, you have bonds on Strail, you have, like, moves that you could make to try and force Strail to talk. But yeah, I think otherwise Strail is kind of content to do their own thing. Whatever that is. What about, I have a new, well, a new-ish one. 
is I don't know if I'd have to use a bond and then use this, but read okay. a person. And no, Strail's not a person. I think you'd need to be talking to them first, maybe? So there's a thing which is demand action, which is when you demand action from someone you have a bond with, if they do it, erase one bond for each thing asked. So like you could be like, I demand that you talk to me. I have two bonds on Strail. So I think Chala, in a very Chala way, will demand, like, kind of in the Strail, get out here right now. Three days and you haven't said anything to me. Not in those words, but in that kind of feeling. Um, where are you when you do this? Is, is this like you're on your own somewhere, or are you... I don't think so. Um, I mean, a little, like, maybe a few steps behind everyone. Not going off on their own, because it's a completely different landscape. But not trying ridiculously hard to hide. But not saying things out loud. Thinking things really loudly. Probably thinking that they're more subtle than they actually are. Yeah, I think Strail enters your bond, which means you erase one with them. But I don't think it's right away. I, I, I think, like, you get this moment where, like, there is just silence. Like you've been experiencing from Strail for the last few days, there's just no response. But I think Strail does answer eventually, and I think it's in the evening. Uh, probably, like, while you're, while, like, you're, like, laid down to sleep, because you're probably a little bit separate from other people. I think other people have kind of drifted off faster than you can. And I think, like, your brother and sister are probably asleep at this stage, and you're probably, like, somewhere close by, but, like, not next to them. And I think that's when Strail answers. They answer in a way that they haven't before. Like, normally it's just been inside your head, but I think this time it's a little bit like when you got lost in... It's a little bit like when um, you were at a meeting and Strail appeared, except sort of smaller. Like, I think you... I think you feel something where your eye is, like, do you know where your eye got the shard in? And you see, like, it kind of gets a little bit smoky, and, like, this smoke just kind of drifts, like, kind of, like, slightly out of you, and, like, forms into a shape. It's almost, like, slightly, like, half cloud, half animal. Like, something almost, like, weasel-ish. I think, in fact, it looks a lot like the weasel that Ioff has, if it was made out of clouds. This is kind of the best thing ever. <laughs> and I think it just kind of like scuttles along your arm. Are you okay? You're a weasel. Yes, I am a form. I thought you would like. I do. I do. You wanted to talk to me. I'm worried about you. Are you okay? worried about me? Not of me. No. Should I be? Maybe. But I am okay. I am recovering. I'm glad. I never thanked you. Not many people would have helped me like this. I can't say I had much choice. It was very surprising. But I am glad that I could help. You had more choice than you thought. I think like this would be the point where if you wanted to read a person... You could read a person. Okay. Let me find out what my move can do. So basically, when you read a person, on a 10 plus hold 3, on a 7 to 9 hold 1, spend hold 1 for 1 to ask any of those questions. So are they telling the truth? What are they feeling right now? What are their intentions? What do they want from me? And what tribute could I offer to get them to blank? So yeah, I guess if you'd like to do that, how are you feeling right now? Um, I would say... Probably uh, peaceful. I would say peaceful. Uh, what is your peaceful? Zero. So it doesn't really help much at all. That's not a, a feeling that Chala feels very often. Oh. Oh no. Uh, so that is a six. But Strail and Chala are friends, so everything is fine. Sure. Um, that was not very convincing. <laughs> I think the thing that makes sense to me is maybe you'd like to turn this back on you. Um, so I'd like to ask a question of you, which you have to answer truthfully. Okay. So, what do you, you want from Strail? Honestly, at the moment, I think she just wants to understand. I don't think there's a lot more than that. She doesn't, because, what is this? So she's not hoping for, like, any kind of power, or she just... 
there might be a small glimmer of that sounds interesting, but Chala's only really used any kind of power in a situation where she was trying to save everyone. Yeah. We're not in that situation, so I don't think that would be at the forefront of Chala's mind. I think it's more, what does this do? What do what needs to happen now? What do I need to know about this? Is this dangerous? Is this okay? Is Strail okay? Am I okay? Lots of questions. And no answers. And no answers. I think the second part of this, uh, I think Strail would like to use a bond on you. Okay. Because uh, Strail has one. Yes. Charla, I have a favour to ask. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, I need to speak through your mouth for a while. I need you to gather some people to me. Who do you need? I need the ones you freed. Savelle, Aylan, bring them both to me, please. What do you need them for? Are they gonna, are they okay? Do they need help? Just do what I ask. How do bonds work? Is that like, you must do this, or...? No, um, so the way bonds work are... So they're putting pressure on you to do it, you can also resist it. I guess the question is, do you want to do it as they ask, or do you want to try and stand firm? Um, I assume changing that in any way would be standing firm. Because I have an additional question of will I... Which I don't know if I would actually ask right now. I'm just curious if I will actually be aware of anything that happens. So the other option is to try and manipulate, right? Or you could even try and read a person again. That sounds like a useful thing to kind of figure out like what are Strail's intentions. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily... I don't feel like Chala's ready to go, no, I won't help you. But it's also like, I'm not certain about this. Yeah, I, I feel like that seems like the right time to read a person. So how are you feeling? Is it still peaceful? No, it isn't peaceful anymore. Funnily enough, this seems a bit weird. I'm assuming trepidatious or something like that would be scared. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm going to go with a little bit scared. Um, But yeah, because I got yelled at pretty badly last time I did what Strail asked. Oh. Oh no. Oh dear. You are not rolling well. That was a three, which makes that a five, but, uh... Oh, no. <laughs> so much experience to come. <laughs> Yay, experience! So, yeah, you gain an experience, uh, you gain a point in scared, and, yeah, I I think Strail just disappears. Like, I think they just dissipate. Okay. And you feel like the, that spot in your eye just grows really cold and then just dulls back down. I think Chala, as a matter of urgency, is going to need to talk to someone who knows about these things. Help, I need an adult. Yeah. I need a magical adult. Magical adult. And, oh wait, I have a whole bond move, which is be vulnerable at an adult. Well, let's cut for now to someone else, and then we can come back to Chala and her issues. So yeah, Belka, I guess. Hello. The last one to uh, have a scene. Um, what would oh, you yeah, like to do? Oh yeah, that scene wasn't mine. Yeah, it, <laughs> it wasn't was yours. Vince's. It was Venz's scene. Uh, so I guess you've got like one of your own now. So do you have anything on your mind that you'd like to do? Yeah, I don't know whether it makes more sense to talk to Callan or Vilter, I suppose. But yeah, I guess there's probably not going to have been much change since last time, is there? So probably Callan. Okay. We'd like spoken a little bit about this anyway. About like, I'm kind of imagining like the last few days on the road for Belka have been, like, people coming up to them and asking them to, like, have a conversation. Feeling a lot of trauma. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, do, do you do that? Do you, like, as people come up, do you reckon you, like, help them? Or are you just like, I just want to be left alone? Um, I think they've probably been helping, but not to the extent that they're really capable of. Yeah. I think they've been, like, reassuring and trying to be quite positive and upbeat and they've maybe lent a hand like physically when people need it like yes i will change someone's bandages or yes i will hold your baby so you could have a nap but they've not really been going for it until vens i think sure that's fair i think some of the people that come to talk to you just just because i'd like to like give an insight into this mm -hmm. 
So some of the people in my mind that might, like, I definitely have, like, I picture Jedha coming up to you at some point and, like, asking you, or, like, starting a conversation about how she spoke with Briss at the last, like, meeting, because I think, like, she was quite firm and sharp and kind of lost lost it a little bit. I was kind of like, I didn't mean to talk to Briss that way, it's just, I, I wish she wasn't so stubborn. <laughs> Don't we all, Jedha? Um... Yeah, I think that one, Belka would have been fairly sympathetic to. Yeah. And I think there's also, like, a few, like, insecurities she shares as well about, like... Like, Folly shares a lot of insecurities with Briss, which is how she would get onto this. Like, Briss just seems to refuse being a leader. Well, I'm... I kind of got put, like, shoved into the same position. I'm just doing my fucking best. Yeah, that's... That's rough. Sorry, Jada. I think, in this case, Belka would have been reasonably active, I think, in trying to, to make Jedha feel, if not better, at least more comfortable with what's happening, because I think Belka has had their share of being frustrated with Briss, and certainly I think would understand the stress of trying to do something you're not really prepared to do, or that you hadn't prepared to do, and then it's just happening and you have to. So I don't think they would have been able to solve anything, but probably given a really good hug and being like, well, I think you're doing great. Go get him, champ. I think, like, yeah, she just needs a load of reassurance. Yeah, well, she would definitely get a lot of reassurance, yeah. I think we also see, like, maybe see a scene of Polav, if you remember my him. S- my stew friend. Your stew friend, yeah, one of them. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, Tyal and Polav have been spending, like, a lot of time looking after Verask. Belka came to them, Okay. I think, and brought them soup. Yes. I think, like, Polav set, like, spends a lot of time just, like, holding your hand and sitting, like, in silence and just... Oh, Berka's quite good at that, probably. Yeah. So. Like, probably all three of them just kind of, like, just needed some time to reflect a little. Is, um, sorry, is it Verask? Is that... Verask. Verask, yeah. Is Verask, like, conscious yet? I don't or... think so. No, okay. I think probably Belka's been spending quite a bit of time with them then, doing the same thing that they did for Vilta, like, telling stories while okay. they heal. What What kind of thing? I think mostly, actually, very kind of childish stories from their childhood, like little fables, you know, like the the bedtime stories you tell toddlers and things, stuff he's obviously way too old for, and that Tyal and Polava are obviously super too old for, but it's really comforting for everyone, so. Nice. And I feel like one of the last people that you may see, like, maybe, maybe you also have, like, Maddie comes back up to you and is like, brings the words that, like, you'd requested from her. Yay! My poetry. And, like, like I think uses it as an excuse to talk about, like, some of her fears of being out in the open and, like, just having left everything and lost... Because I guess they've lost so much more, even compared to the people of Ninot. Like, there's two of them left. And a dog. And a dog and a ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair then. Yeah, I think yeah. mostly just listening in yeah. that situation. I think she's kind of closed off in some ways like she's definitely like expresses herself through poetry more than like talking but like she uses like teaching you how to use these words yeah as a way of talking probably belka didn't really say anything during this session like a couple of words i think it would have been kind of maddie talking a bit about whatever she's trying to teach them and then belka trying to prompt them with poems i guess like a little back and forth between their poems to kind of get maddie talking so, like, a gentle slam poetry. Like a gen- a really supportive slam poetry. <laughs> I love it. Like, I guess the last person who's someone we've not really seen before is, like, Femria, who is the child of the parish, is probably, like... I think probably spending quite a lot of time with Belka. Yeah. I would say probably um, Belka and Nilcat might be the only two who kind of really keep an eye on Femria, while Iov is... Yeah, because, like, Ar- yeah, so I think Nilcat has been spending a lot of time looking after Arkan, because Arkan's got a wounded leg. Yeah. So, like, Femra's probably just been, like, following you around a lot. Yeah, because I think Iov kind of keeps an eye on him up until Iov is distracted by something else, and then Belcro and Nilcat will kind of scoop him up, but obviously with Iov pretty stressed out these days and Nilcat taking care of Arkan, Belka's probably just been carrying Femra around for a lot of this. Yes, I think for, like, context, like, Fenrir is, like, maybe, like, nine or ten years old, so, like, just a little bit younger than Charla, and I think has been with, like, the Paris since, like, a largest town somewhere where he's kind of, like, a runaway and just decided to follow you all. 
and is in your collective care. Yeah, and I think like Belka is not particularly um, parental to Fenrir. I think they just recognise that he's kind of at a loose end without the people who would usually be taking care of him. And so it's kind of like, yeah, I guess you can hang out with me. Do what you want, but do it in my vicinity so I know you're alive. I kind of imagine like that's what most of the parish are like with children. Yeah. Like Ioff is definitely that. Ioff is like, we'll do really cool stuff with you and then just disappear. I imagine Nilcat is the one that is like very parental and will tell stories and be like, maybe give you some discipline sometimes and like tell you off. Yeah. But I can't imagine anyone else quite doing that. No, probably Welcome not. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a podcast about terrible parents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, we get the Callan scene. Yeah, the saddest boy. Yeah, is this like a thing that happens like within the caravan or do you like go out with Tim scouting or? I think maybe. Belka has gone out on their own, and Callan would come across them while while he was scouting or pretending to scout, so he didn't have to be around people, whichever he's doing. Yeah, fair. Because um, I think Belka is pretty fascinated by tombstones, just the concept, and is spending some time kind of investigating them. I guess. How how does Belka feel about tombstones? Conflicted. Because they they are dead. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's very strange for them the concept of. Like, because writing someone's name down for Belka is kind of like, we're erasing you from existence, haha. So it's like, oh, you're dead. Who? Never heard of you. But I think that that's probably cutting a bit close to home for them at the minute. So they're, I guess, like a morbid fascination. Okay. I think the one that you're like looking at right now is, I think it's almost like at the center of like a circle of trees is there's like a large, like a large obelisk almost. I think it's like, in a curved shape, but the centre of it is quite thick. Um, mm-hmm. It's maybe like a couple of metres each way, but it's also like crenellated. So it's like a lot of, it's almost as if they've wanted to create as much surface area as possible because like all along the outside are just inscriptions. Like every, every like inch of this is written on. Oh. And I think it's like, maybe I imagine Belkin might have heard of this or like, Heard of these kind of like tombstones or like seen this language? Uh, do you recognize it as like a Voek tombstone? And like the Voek are like a group of people that are kind of dedicated to understanding the remnants. And I, I can imagine like a lot of keepers would have like been interested in like reading bits of their tombstones because all mm-hmm. along their tombstones is an inscription of their life and everything they've done oh, and all okay. of the knowledge that they've gained. Okay. So they're kind of, I imagine them being like very nomadic and they don't necessarily hang around in groups and this is their way of, this is their way of passing on knowledge to each other. That's, yeah, I think keepers would be super interested with that. Yeah, I don't know whether they would view it as like a noble sacrifice to write everything down so it would last forever or like a weird counterculture. But either way, there's definitely some fascination there. Yeah, and I can imagine like bits of their like tombstones are probably like sold. Like, if there's a secret on it, someone's probably going to be like, I'm going to smash that off, and, like, off and sell it. And it will somehow, like, end up in, like, the crypts of Ertal, and, like, Belka would have, like, read it and gone, like, oh, this is really sad. That's what they do. Um, How are you reacting to it? Are you, like, reading it? Are you... No, I think they just kind of knelt in front of it, absorbing the sight. I don't okay. know whether they would have seen a full one in person before, so... I wonder... I guess you would know, like, the other thing about these, which is that... Like, the entire body of the person is preserved stood up in, like, the widest part of this. Neat. Um, and I think that's when you hear, like, a crunch behind you as you're, like, kind of observing it. And uh, I think, like, Calendar's like, um... Hello. Uh, um, like, it, if this was an anime, like, is the point where, like, someone would, like, stroke the back of their head? I, <laughs> like, look really nervous as if they've just kind of walked in on, like, a really awkward moment. Belka is just going to like pat the ground next to them, like a come sit down kind of movement. Uh, yeah, they, they kind of walk up. I think they're probably like carrying like a spare and they lay that to the ground and they sit next to you. What's this? Never seen anything like it before. A story. And an ending, I suppose. I think Callan like runs his finger along like one of the insides. It's so crenellated, it's almost like pages with like a couple of inches between them. And like, it's like a long one. I think while he's running his hands over it quite calmly and contemplatively, Barker's going to say, there's a person inside. And Callan just like sl- removes his finger slightly. <laughs> how, how do you know? Well, I suppose I don't, but 
That's how they go, I'm told. A whole person, within, trapped in their own story. Weird. Hmm. When I go, just lay me facing the sky. Felka <laughs> kind of laughs at that. It's like, I'll be long gone, Callan. But I'll leave the note. Can you read this? Some of it, I imagine, if I... If I tried. I don't know if I want to. A whole person's life on one rock. I've read some before, of course. We we keep bits of them. Sometimes they're factual, mostly. Very interesting. But the whole thing is different to the fragment, somehow. Do you think I could make one of these? A grave? Yes. Well, a small one. How would you make a small one? How small? Uh, I think Belko pulls one of the charms off their horns and kind of holds it out in their palm and um, says, One of those on one of these. Would it fit, do you think? No, too small. Perhaps just the important parts. I think Callan, like is looking round while you're like still talking and like pulls like a piece of stone from the floor and like pulls out a knife and just goes, Sure. Well, a nice boy. And I like starts like... <laughs> Chipping away at it. I'm not sure how you'd get the words on. Small, I suppose. I think they're gonna, like, wet one of their fingers, I think, from, like, their water bottle, and then dab some symbols just on on the rock he's holding. Just, like, trace some symbols and be like, just that bit. That's all I'd need, I think. It'll need time. That's okay. This walk is so long. I, I think, like, Callan, like, sits in silence for a little while, just kind of chiseling away at the rock. He has to talk feelings eventually. <laughs> like, what is Callan feeling? Maybe, like, this is the good time for, like, a reader person role. So, I am feeling... Yeah, I think I'm gonna go for joyful. Okay. Because I think they are excited about the prospect of having a tiny tombstone. <laughs> um, oh, that's a six. I cannot read him. You cannot roll. T- None he, of you can roll today. He's a mystery boy. You do get an experience point. So I think, like, Callan sits there for a while, just kind of picking off layers of the rock. And then, like, kind of, like, perks up and goes, um, I'm not sure how we made it out of there. I guess not all of us did. I... And, like, as he's saying this, like, he, you see his eyes just kind of look up. And on, like, I'm imagining, like, a small, like, ridge or hill, maybe, like, 20 metres away, overlooking this circle of trees that you're in. And you follow his eyes and, like, on that ridge, two figures have appeared. And he kind of scrambles to reach for his spare 